Well, the students at Hogwarts are sorted into houses according to Whatever that shifty sorting hat says they ought to do I asked Dumbledore if I could be sorted, he said sorry but I could get reported to the Ministry of Magic for incorrect procedure. You're not a wizard, you're a burrow girl. Hello and welcome to Sorted. I'm Alex. I'm JD. And this is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Harry Potter is inherently flawed and sorting even more so, but it's still fun to view characters in this way. What are we sorting today? <laughs> We're sorting Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. Kipo! The title that is almost irrelevant until the penultimate episode or something. <laughs> What's a Kipo? Kipo is a DreamWorks Netflix show about... A post-apocalyptic future, I guess? Yeah, so it's set, like, (laughs) approximately 200 years after an apocalypse, an apocalypse that's, I guess, has taken place more or less present day. And it's not like it was a long, drawn-out thing or anything. No, it was pretty much instantaneous, because as a result of this apocalypse, animals started mutating and are now called mutes. Some of which are mega mutes, which are particularly large but can't speak. Others are human-sized and do speak English for reasons. Yeah. And each species adopted one personality trait for the entire species. Each species has a very specific culture. Yeah, which is weird. And (laughs) most humans retreated underground and the show starts with one of these burrow people accidentally being flushed out to the surface and having to try and get home and survive on the surface and ends up creating a new utopia for humans and mutes. Yeah. Yep. Although, okay, can I just say, this is post-apocalyptic, so to speak. It is so bright and colorful. Yes. (laughs) The aesthetics are so wonderful. Yes. It's It's, it's very much... Visually pleasing. Yeah, that concept, but steering very much away from the dark and gritty aesthetic that you see in a lot of that kind of media. Like, you are still constantly surrounded by shops that have been destroyed and buildings and cars and things that have been eroded over centuries because they've been abandoned. Which is weird because these animals use human things for the most part. I know. But they don't... I think it could... Because the the animal population is much smaller than the human population was. I I guess. It's hard hard to tell because it's also all set in one city. Yeah. There is a wider world out there as well that we don't explore in the show. It's interesting though because there is a fair amount of world building. We get Mm. a lot of backstory. But there's still so much left out. We get one episode that flashes back to a beginning of this apocalypse. Which raises more questions than it answers. (laughs) Are you talking about the... uh, Yeah, no, the the Dave episode. I think a lot of that is because Dave is an unreliable narrator. Sure. (laughs) And here's the thing about that though. I could accept that that being a completely fictitious story. Apart from the fact that... uh, the end of that story it turns out that it is true because benson confirms it because benson's entire culture was based around one handheld fan it's fucking wild Let, we'll get to let's get let's save that for when we talk about those characters yeah let's talk about some characters and let's sort talk about them some characters up first we've got keepoke Kipo oak Kipo oak the main character burrow girl so she's raised in this underground society type Yep. thing but they're very scientifically minded yes and i don't know how much of that is just her because her father well, is a scientist her mother is a scientist her borough that she was raised in is not especially scientifically minded yeah because her parents we late to learn came from a different borough yes and that borough was 
all scientists trying to cure the yeah yeah so it is it is more that roots. her her parents were her parents were scientists yes. and so like they her Raised father her with science yeah taught her like she knew the names of every constellation before she'd ever seen the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a very happy-go-lucky girl. She just <laughs> she wants... loves exploring and she... learning new things and making friends. And she's excited to have this experience. She very much wants to get home and be reunited with her father, who yeah. she loves very much. But she's also very curious and yeah. is enjoying this experience, just most for the most part. She tries to befriend everyone she meets, despite <laughs> the fact that almost everyone she meets is just like, "What the hell?" is wrong with you it's <laughs> survival of the fittest up here she studied at the steven universe school of dealing with enemies yes she tries to befriend every enemy she's less successful than steven yeah here's the yeah. thing about keeper the thing that like the show never f properly explained really mm -hmm. why is she purple she's half mute i i get it so two non-white parents but who are both human typical human skin colors for the modern day mm -hmm. keeper is purple Ostensibly, that is because before she was born, her DNA was changed to be half mute, that of a mega jaguar. Why is a mega jaguar purple? Most other mutes haven't had their colours radically changed from what their natural modern day colours are. Synthetic jaguar DNA. Jaguar? Jaguar. Ja jaguar. Jaguar. Ja why, why are you saying wire? It's just how it is. Jaguar. That's... Jaguar. 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 Tweeted us. Jaguar, 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 Jaguar. I, I don't know what's happening anymore. How do you pronounce it? Warm. Tweeted us. <laughs> Jagwarm. Tweeted us. Jagwarm. <laughs> Is it Jagwarm or Jagworm? Worm? I can't, even, I can't even say warm correctly. Alex can't word. Warm? <laughs> right. Kipo. Kipo's purple because she's a jaguar. The jaguar is purple because it's mutated. But none of the other animals are mutated to be different colors. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Aesthetics. They thought it would be fun if she was purple. Sure. So for the beginning of the show, Kipo's mother is absent. Turns out she was actually just a monkey. You know. You know. You're introduced to this mega monkey. The mega monkey, we definitely had theories early on that maybe the mega monkey was her mother or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The initial theory being, did her dad fuck a giant monkey? <laughs> that is what we were thinking because it, the show hadn't given, like, it clearly was sort of implying that there was some relation between Kipo and, and the mega monkey, but it hadn't given us it hadn't established how, how that could have been possible. It hadn't established that the idea of transforming into a mute creature yeah yet until much later in the show yeah. so we're just how it's it never really actually explains how that's science a thing. Mm. she does experiments on her like, unborn child which the show seems to seems to say is totally fine yeah people super into it some of the other characters are like, that's a bit weird, I'm so sorry. And she's like, oh, this is awesome. When Keeper first learns it, there's like a fake out where you think for a moment she might be angry about it, but then she's she loves it. But it, like, she should, that should be not cool, right? It's not cool. It's not cool. No, her parents did terrible things that conveniently resulted in saving the world. They never really <laughs> elaborate on that being incredibly problematic. Leo and Song should probably be arrested for war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, keep her um, a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Her main drive is make friends and be home with family. Yeah, but she also... I, there is strong Ravenclaw leaning. Sure. She is very curious. She loves to learn. Yes. I think a lot of her friendliness comes from her sense of curiosity okay. and, like, wanting to know more. I, I do agree with you, Hufflepuff overrides that, because mm. I feel like her love and determination to keep people safe and to help people is the bigger picture of her yeah. character, but yeah. there is a strong argument for Ravenclaw. Sure. Just just needed to make yeah. sure that was clear. So, Hufflepuff? Yeah. Kipo's a Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff! <laughs> Who's next? Up next is Wolf. Wolf is Kipo's best friend. Yeah, she's like a <laughs> something like that. Yeah, she's Kipo's Kipo's like early teens and Wolf is young child. So Wolf is ten. Ish. Here's the thing. We don't know for certain to be fair. Yeah. She herself doesn't know her parents. We get a backstory and a flashback for her, but we still don't actually know where she came from. What happened to her parents? Why she's entirely on her own. I think it's safe to assume her parents have died. Probably. Probably. But she she was living on the surface. I guess they were probably eaten by the wolves. They, I, I think they were probably eaten by the wolves. And so, the wolves were like, oh, look, a human baby. Let's do some weird experiments with her. Yeah. Again, stop experimenting with children. So Wolf was raised by wolves. Wolf was raised by wolves. But not in the traditional sense that you think of Romulus and Remus. Yeah, yeah. Every animal, when it became a mute adopted one personality trait. Wolves adopted big fucking nerd. <laughs> the wolves are scientists. Yeah, they're called the Newton wolves. They want to learn and study. They live in an observatory, for, well, yes. most of them do, apart from these wolves that live in this house. Yeah. And so she was raised by these wolves as part of this wolf pack. And and, and the wolves were basically raising her as a social experiment. Yeah. We well, find out. Yes. <laughs> After a few years, probably unclear. Yeah, they've they've trained her to sort of they've think trained, like a wolf. Yeah, they trained her in the same way they've trained like their wolf. own children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it turns out she's the next hunt. Now you've got to try and hunt prey that thinks like you do, and she runs off in tears. It's basically betrayed by her family, who decided, oh, haha, we were just raising you to kill you. Yeah. At some point off screen, she kills a different wolf. Yeah, we don't ever see that or no. know exactly where her wolf pelt comes from. Yeah, and she wears a wolf pelt, which is why Keeper called her wolf, because Wolf didn't want to give her real name, and we never learn another name for her. It's probable that she never had a name herself, or she may have had a name given to her by the wolves that yeah. she then rejected. Yeah, that's more likely. Wolf is a lone wolf. Haha! <laughs> it's subtle. I mean, yeah, she's... She... I'll take care of everything by myself. I yeah. don't need any help. She's a survivor. I'm, I'm strong and uh, will fight you and you're just going to hold me back. Friendships aren't worth anything. Then along comes Kipo. And Kipo's <laughs> like, hey, can you help me get home? And she's like, no. Please, no. Please, fine. <laughs> and then they go on adventures and become best friends. And Wolf, Yay! And she just becomes... Kipo's lieutenant as Kipo starts trying to build a new society. Yeah, yeah. Is she a Slytherin? That's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, either Gryffindor or Slytherin, right? I think so. Um, but the the lone wolf sort of thing and the not wanting to befriend anyone feels yeah. more Slytherin, especially yeah. since she has like the one person that she does care about. Yeah, true. Once you get to that point, yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's just her and Kipo are like ride or die. But anyone else, she doesn't give a shit. She'll, she'll do whatever to help Kipo, but she's helping all these other people because she wants to help Kipo. I think the rest of the group, like, grows on her by the oh, end yeah, of the yeah, show. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, 
Benson and Dave and even Mon do. Yeah. Um, I think, like, she she suddenly accepts Benson very quickly. She's fine with him because he's another human. And yeah. eventually I think she'd probably call him a friend. Dave she has, like, issues with throughout most <laughs> of the show. But it's probably fine by the end, especially as, like, he becomes more and more useful. Yeah. Mondu she accepts relatively quickly. And I think it's probably because he's a non-talking mute. Yeah. Less of a threat. So The only thing that's interesting about saying Wolf as a Slytherin, though, is what are the Slytherin traits, right? Ambition is always the go-to one. Is she ambitious? She's definitely cunning. Okay, resourcefulness. Yeah, cunning, resourcefulness. Determination. Determination, absolutely. Okay. Self-preservation. Lineage, not so much. (laughs) No, but, you know, they're not all going to apply all the time. Um, But she definitely has that sort of spunky, like, stick up for yourself. They've got that classic Hufflepuff Slytherin friendship. Yes! Yeah. I love that combo! Slytherin! Such a strong friendship combo. (laughs) Ah! Up next is Benson. Benson! Benson's a good boy! Yeah, so he's another human who's also just living on the surface. But he's a lot more chill. We do get an explanation as to why that is later down the line. He likes his Uh, tunes, he listens to chill music. Yeah. In a later flashback, turns out his ancestors for 200 years have waged war with Dave (laughs) because 200 years ago when the apocalypse happened Dave found a handheld fan and then this human guy wanted it and founded a cult based around having this fan called the Fanatics. Benson was the last of the Fanatics. A 200 year long cult obsessed with a single handheld fan with an infinite battery life. (laughs) It stole our powers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. They just replace the batteries. It's fine. With Where are they going to get batteries in the apocalypse? Abandoned convenience stores. I suppose there is just can't, like food just sometimes available, including bags of crisps that are apparently not past their sell-by date 200 years later. Oh, no, they would be. Benson's a normal teenage boy, and he's like remarkably well-adjusted, despite having been raised in a cult and living... <laughs> In a post-apocalypse where his only friend is a 200-year-old bug who waged war with his ancestors. Really doesn't dwell on that much. No. He's just really chill. But he didn't even bring up the fact that he was raised in a cult. (laughs) He didn't think that was relevant. Was it? I guess not. (laughs) Benson's main personality trait is that he's chill. Yeah. Which is big Hufflepuff vibes. Benson, Benson yeah. gets a love interest. Yeah. Which is great. And it, they go to prom together. Yeah. And like... Wonderful. They do some stuff with looking at him and then the background going all pink and like the romantic <laughs> music playing. Is, oh, it's, like, it's how you know they're in love. <laughs> well, Avatar would be, just be blushies. Oh, I love blushies too. <laughs> There's probably blushies at some point. Oh, there are absolutely blushies. Yeah. <laughs> So Benson's a Hufflepuff also, yeah? Yeah, Benson is a Hufflepuff. That's what I was getting at when I was saying his main character trait is that he's chill. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Big Hufflepuff energy. So Dave. 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 Now we can talk about Dave. Right, so already said a lot about Dave because we're introduced to him and Benson together, their best friends. After this 200-year war and Benson was the last of his people, they ended up basically forming a truce and working together and just taking care of each other because they're like, oh, we're, the, we're both the last of our kind. I mean, it's weird. Dave is immortal. Dave's it, a it, big bug also, and he is like a phoenix. He's people, apparently, because 200 years ago, there were many Daves and they were all called Dave. <laughs> And they were identical. That is 100% Dave being an unreliable narrator. Sure. They would have, yeah. 
<laughs> Apparently, over the centuries, the fanatics learnt Dave's one weakness. Normally, he just goes through stages of a life cycle. So he starts out as... He's got a baby stage. He's a little infant, and then he's a little toddler, and then he's a... Teenager. Grumpy teenager. With acne. Yes. Then he's like... His most common form is just young adult. Then his next form is... Super buff Dave! Yeah, he gets like a much darker colouring. He gets wings. He gets buff. He can fight. And he, But he can't hold that energy for very long. Yeah. At the start of the show, he also can't control it, and he learns to control it throughout the show. Yeah. Which is incredible. After 200 years, this fucker yeah. couldn't... I guess because he... Ne- like for the- He just never bothered. Yeah, for 200 years, he- all he'd been worried about was just, like, having this fan, and like, he didn't need to... Like, the fanatics weren't really much of a threat. Oh, Dave's such an idiot. I love him. It's... <sighs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, super the- buff Dave. And then old man Dave. Yeah. And, and then, then old man Dave dies and becomes a little baby again. And it's never explained how or why he's immortal. He just is. Yep. And it is useful for plot reasons. Yeah. Many a time. Yeah, he... <laughs> like, like, like then, oh, Dave, you take this bomb and go take it wherever. Because yeah. when you get blown up, you'll just revert to a baby and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's jokes in there where someone says they would die for the group or whatever. And he's just like, I have died for this group. Many times. <laughs> really fun like dynamic to have for a character that I don't think I've ever like I don't think I've seen something that works quite that way in like a, in media before like yeah. it's a it's a really unique thing to be able to play with he gets the least character development especially of the main characters yes like the human characters he has little growth aside from slightly being able to control his yeah his own growth he's <laughs> He's big on his friendship with Benson, but he's also big on himself. Yeah. He loves talking a big game. He loves, like, acting like he's great. To wit, he's a Gryffindor. Yeah. He will rush in. Oh, absolutely. Because he's a big, dumb dummy. Yeah. Very, yeah, very hot-headed. Very, like, I'm the best, and I can do this. He cares about his best friend and the rest of the group. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big heart, but a tiny brain. Yeah. Fuck, is Dave a himbo? Okay, so like the three aspects of a himbo is that they're they're dumb and loving and attractive. So only only Buff Dave is technically a himbo. I was no, why would you say this? <laughs> I don't think he's attractive, but he's got muscles and I think that counts. <laughs> <laughs> I think Buff Dave is a himbo. <laughs> I don't like it. No, but it is accurate. I don't like it enough that I want to move on. Okay. So Dave's a Gryffindor. Dave is a Gryffindor. Oh, you put Jamak in the main characters? I put Jamak in the main yes! characters. Because Jamak is a fun, interesting character. I love Jamak. Jamak gets so much character development. Yeah, he does. Okay. Tell me about Jamak. I do. Every time this character trope comes up, I say it <laughs> and I'm going to say it again. Enemies to friends is my favorite trope. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Jamak. Jamak is part of the frog mafia. Yeah, they're called mod frogs. Mod frogs. Mod, not even mob. Mod, mod fro- frogs. Yeah, that's what the, that's what oh. they referred to as in all the. I official... thought they were mob frogs. That would make more sense. It was. That's what I assumed they were called. But... Okay, mod frogs. All right, whatever. Regardless, Jamak is part of a group of frogs who all wear suits. Yeah, and they are a mob. They are a mob. Big mafia vibes. Like, we meet a godfather frog. Yeah. And in Dave's flashback, we see the first mod frog taking a suit from a shop 
200 years ago. So it's not like this developed over time. No, the frogs just, just decided, you know what? Frogs gain sentience and immediately were like, yes, we need to wear suits. And I conveniently, want a suit. conveniently, all of these tailored suits happen to fit our frog bodies. Because they don't make clothes. No one in this world makes clothes apart from the humans <laughs> underground. What, are, what do you think? Size dimensions. I don't know how suit sizes work. They're generally quite well fitted, though. Yeah. But it's, what, like a 30-something waist, and then the, you get a length for the, the inseam of the pants? Probably something, yeah. Can you imagine pants that would exist that would fit frogs? They got real skinny little legs. Mm-hmm. Why do these jackets fit them? They're very broad. It's like they're getting pants from the from the kitty section, and then <laughs> and then jackets from the big and tall section. At the beginning of the show... Jamak is like the leader of this particular group of mod frogs, which is a smaller section of the overall group of mod frogs. Yeah, yeah. And they want to capture Kipo because she's a burrow girl. Uh, Jamak ends up getting defeated. Yeah. Time after time, humiliated. Usu- usually, with giant bunnies being involved. Yeah. <laughs> to the extent that the Godfather frog, she cuts his tie. <gasps> he gets outcast from the, from the rest of the frog group. Yep. They cut his tie. He's no longer one of them because yep. he failed too many times. Yeah. He let them down. But, so now he's a lone frog. Yeah. yeah. So Jamak is like, aha, if I can get my hands on that burrow girl, all will be restored. Yeah. I will have power and influence once again. Yeah. He keeps failing. He continues to fail. Yeah. He gets captured by the Newton Wolves. Kipo frees him. Yes. And so he ends up... Being in her debt. Yeah. Again, he ends up helping Kipo and the group. Very gradually, and despite Jamak very much not wanting to, he becomes friends with them. Yeah. So... (laughs) (laughs) Enemies to friends! I love Jamak. Jamak is a Slytherin? Yeah, Jamak, Jamak I think is a Slytherin. Yeah. Um, he is clearly very uh, self-oriented. Yes, and status. Yes. Influence. And and he does change and grow over time. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the Slytherinus is still there. He helps people who help him. Yes. And finally, for our main characters, we've got Hugo Oak. Hugo? Yes. Hmm, does he have any other names? No. Oh. Because he abandoned that name. Scarlamane, the main villain of the show, is a mandrel. He sure is. Well, I say the main villain of the show. The main villain of the first two seasons. Yeah, yeah, Again, a villain who yeah. turns. So, season one, he's a behind-the-scenes kind of villain. He shows up towards the end of season one. He's pulling the strings in the background. Yeah. Then we, we're introduced to him. He's a, a mandrel who acts very proper and British and oh, and plays the piano and <laughs> has a flying flamingo car. But he's also incredibly unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> And he, we introduced him, he wants to make a perfect mute society where humans are in, all enslaved because for centuries humans enslaved mutes, as in animals, sure. in zoos. There was like the remnants of a zoo are there so they know yeah. about how animals were treated by humans. He has some crazy pheromones that allow him to control other primates. Yeah, specifically primates. Specifically primates. And so this means that not only can he basically mind control other monkey ape types, <clears throat> mm-hmm. he can also mind control humans. Yep. Kipo's immune, but everyone else he can mind control. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
But it turns out, like, the reason he wants all of this vengeance and stuff yeah, is because... Yeah, he has a tragic backstory. Yeah, Leo and Song, Kipo's parents, um, were raising him yeah. and... He was originally one of the last non-mute animals in the world. Yes, and they were doing experiments to see what causes the animals to become mute so they could figure out how to undo it but he ended up gaining sentience and they were like we can't take this away by that point this is basically their child (laughs) and he's intelligent and he can speak now and going through existentialism and yeah it's like we can't like take this intelligence away we can't just give this and then revoke it like that's not ethical Leo Um, and Song wanted to escape from their burrow but Song was pregnant so it was a little awkward things end up going down right after Kipo was born they try to get out Song ends up becoming a giant monkey. Yeah. That burrow ends up sort of getting destroyed because giant monkey. Leo barely manages to escape with Kipo and unfortunately leaves Hugo behind. And so Hugo feels betrayed. Well, it doesn't even feel that way for us. He's just scared and confused. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then one day he sees Leo with baby Kipo and he goes to try and reunite very joyfully. And then he realizes that like, oh, Kipo's wrapped in my blanket and... Did you even try to save me when the burrow was destroyed? Yeah. And so he feels betrayed by Leo. Leo wants to reunite and become a family again. And Hugo very briefly there too. But then he feels betrayed and like leaves. Because Leo prioritized Kipo over him. Yeah. And I mean... That then triggers his transformation into villain mode. Yeah. He adopts the name Scarlamane and starts using his pheromones forcefully. He ends up using the Mega Monkey to attack the burrow and gain human servants and amass an army essentially to try and conquer the world. And then by the end of it, Kipo sort of turns him around. Kipo defeats him in the end of season two, and then he's locked up in a cage. They end up needing to go to him for advice a few times, and Mm -hmm. then they try to let him be part of the combined mute village that they've got going on. But then also none of the other mutes trust him. And so like there's a very complicated relationship where he is trying to do better, but no one wants his help except for Kipo. (laughs) Tries to help them stop the new villain. And then he sacrifices himself in the finale. House though. Do we have a house? I don't know. Solaren seems a strong contender. Yeah. His ability to commit atrocities. (laughs) Hmm. Uh (laughs) You say that. I think he's responsible for three deaths. And those are the mod frogs that he turns to gold. Sure. He only kills three people. That means he's fine, right? No. He was perfectly happy to kill more. That's just where he got stopped. He was going to turn everyone to gold. And he was fine with that. Ravenclaw, though? Ravenclaw is a strong contender as well. He's raised as a a normal monkey, but then, like, gains intelligence and wants to learn and understand. And that, I feel like, for the most part, that's all he ever wanted. He wanted to belong and to understand more until that was essentially taken away from him. I mean, he is very smart and he has a lot of information to the point where his concept of reality and... His information don't always... He's essentially a child. Yeah, he has, like, so much intelligence that sometimes reality gets away from him, I think. And I think Ravenclaw is an interesting direction to take that. Despite his intelligence, he does have a lot of childlike motivation. He's he's just a child who has the ability to mind-control people to get what he wants. Yeah. Not until late in the show does he learn that that's wrong, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, he had, like, no no one to tell him that that mm. wasn't okay. Man, there's also, like, that the mold child villain. <laughs> this show does some weird stuff with, yeah. like, children. Yeah. I'm realizing. Experimenting on them. Also, it's a mold that wants to play with you forever. Anyway, I like Ravenclaw for Hugo. 
I like Ravenclaw. Especially Ravenclaw for Hugo. He adopts an entirely new personality. Yes. To... Scarlemagne is much more Slytherin. Yes. But that's not him. Yes, that is sort of a facade that he puts on. And he abandons. To acquire the power and the respect yeah. that he feels like he deserves. But that's just because he doesn't have anyone. Until he does. Yeah. He loves Kipo as the thing. He very much regards Kipo as a sister. The yeah. moment he meets Kipo... He, yeah, yeah. Like, despite He's like, fact, not yeah. gonna kill Kipo. He does not blame her for anything. Yeah, he very much turned against Leo and Song and the world because of what they did. Because they picked Kipo over him, essentially. But he does not hold that against Kipo. Yeah, he knows that it is not Kipo's fault. He wants her is... to be by his side. And that's great, honestly. Yeah. That is like a very fun... Where like Kipo's the only one he'll listen to. Yeah. And I mean, he doesn't even always listen to her, but he what? does value her. He's a very fun character. Yeah. So Hugo is a Ravenclaw! Nice. It's time! It's time. It's time for the lightning bolt round! Lightning bolt round! Alright, at first we got Mandu! Mandu is a pig! He's part of the main group, but silent, does not talk. He's just a pet pig. He does eventually become a giant, like a mega moot in the epilogue, but he's a baby. Mandu is a Hufflepuff. He like a food. Next is Leo. Leo, Keeper's father. We see him throughout most of season one just in flashbacks, but he becomes part of the main cast. He adopts all of the children. He's a scientist. He's a Ravenclaw. He is very he's much very a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. He loves yeah. to learn and understand. How about Song? Song is Kipo's mother, who spends most of the show as a giant monkey, which is an experiment that she did to herself. It was like a side effect of her doing experiments on her unborn child. So you can't feel too bad about it. She is also a scientist and also a Ravenclaw. Yep, very much. Tell me about... Oh, Yumian! Yumian Hammerpaw! Yumyun is one of the best characters. Yumyun! As mentioned, all the animals in the show adopt one personality trait. The cats are lumberjacks. The lumbercats. The lumbercats. And he is the leader of the lumbercats. And they live in the trees and they all wear plaid, which is animated uncomfortably. I know you don't like the plaid. I'm and okay with it. They eat pancakes and play with yarn and play banjo and they're adorable and lovely and they welcome Kipo and her friends to the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they he... end up being sort of like their yeah. home base. He finds out Kipo like, is the mega jaguar and he's like, I always knew you had some cat in you. Yeah. And, like, they're so good. They take care of Kipo's group of friends while they have to go on adventures. They become like a safe haven. And all the other animals of the world end up living in Lumbercat Village. And then, tragically... Kipo, Leo, and Yum Yum go on an adventure together, and Yum Yum ends up getting hit by the first version of the cure, and it's turned Which into a mute, a regular normal house cat. Reverts him back to a normal cat. And it, it's like, basically it, a character death. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of the character death for the most part on this show, and it's it's really frigging sad. And then like the it's more <laughs> the lumbercats are mourning while they've got this cat here that's rolling around and. It's more tragic than, like, Hugo <laughs> sacrificing himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, like, a, a much more earned yes. tragedy. Yes. <laughs> and I think it was important for the show that, like, this happened to him, essentially. Yeah, because, like, they need to like, this show the stakes. Yes, and what's, this does yeah. set up the stakes very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. He's not the only one who goes through this. No, no, no. There's a freaking Red Wedding episode. Fucking, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, five different characters get through this or whatever. Yum Yum, he's a Gryffindor. Yes, cat. 
Take charge Heart of a leader. Lion. Take charge leader, but lovely friend. Heart of a lion. Up next is Molly Yarn Chopper. That's the second in command. The second in command who yeah, takes yeah. over from him. She is also a Gryffindor. I think most of the cats would be. For the most part, I think with the mutes, members of the same species probably are the same person. Yeah, the same house. But she's great. Yes. Oh yeah, they're just uh, great. The lumbercats are great. I love the lumbercats. Tell me about. Amy and Brad. Amy and Brad are the rats that run Ratland. They are summoned by spraying cheese whiz on the ground. Yeah. Because the rats love cheese and they've got a van and they take you in their van to Ratland, this theme park. We get, we do see in a flashback later, they founded this after the main villain of the show's brother like became friends with them and realized, oh, mutes are, are great. And they're like, yeah, humans are great too. We're going to make our theme park be a safe haven. And it's lovely. Scarlet ends up destroying it, which is sad. And they probably rebuild it. Well, you say they. They're resilient. You say they. Brad ends up getting demutified. Oh, yeah. And turns into a regular rat, and Amy is heartbroken, and oh. it's really tragic. The rats are also some very good characters. Yeah, they're really fun and sweet it's and friendly, so too. It's so rare that you see... Positive rats. Yeah, like in, in animated media yeah. in particular, where the rats are not the villains. No, they're very Hufflepuff. Yes. I love them. As someone who has had a pet rat, that is extremely valid. Ne- <laughs> They're so sweet. Up next is Tad Mulholland. Mulholland is a tardigrade. <laughs> He's a collection. A collection of tardigrades. Yes. With the share one mind. <laughs> yes. Um, he's like a water dude. Yeah, he lives in the water. go into your brain and make you dream nice thoughts yeah. while he consumes your energy. Yeah. But he turns, he's, he realizes that that's not good and is like, oh, I'll stop like, doing that. He, he genuinely thought it was like a, a symbiotic relationship and he was doing a good thing for people yeah, when he yeah. did that. He didn't realize. He's like, oh, I'm making them happy. And then yeah. also I get food, which is cool. Like, yeah. we're, it's great. And then Kipo's like, no, don't. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll figure something else out. And yeah. then he ends up helping them like a lot. Yeah. They just send him into lots of people's brains to like either like break mind control or... Yeah. Learn secrets. Yeah, yeah. Or they use him at one point to like simulate how a fight could go. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this is fun. Helping people is nice. Yeah. He's just like having a good time. Yeah. Um, I think he's Ravenclaw. Sure. I think he's very interested in how the mind works. He's very curious. Yeah, yeah. And I think like he is trying to do stuff, yeah. but I think it's more out of a curiosity and an enjoyment of, of learning and experimenting. Sure. So tell me about. Gerard. Gerard is Skyline's second in command. He's an orangutan, originally the leader of the punk monkeys. I'm assuming they would have been called punk monkeys because punkies. Punkies. It's a fun pun. Yeah. He's an idiot. He's very, very dumb. He took control of the group by force because he was the biggest and the strongest. But when he's like mind controlled as the lieutenant or whatever, he like flies around and is trying to read instructions that Skyline's given him and is like really ditzy, like stupid about it. Yeah. He's a big, dumb, dummy. He's Gryffindor. You can tell me about Lemire. Oh, the one with the big eyes? Yeah, she's like a lemur. Yeah, yeah. Get it? Lemire. Lemire. Lemire is a lemur with big old eyes. I'm going to say Hufflepuff. Sure. Tell me about Billions and Billions. Billions and Billions are the two leaders of the Newton Wolves. Apparently there's good Billions and bad Billions, though I never heard them referred to as such in show. (laughs) I think 
they when they introduce themselves, they're like, I'm Billions, and I'm Billions. Like, yeah. I'm a good twin, and I'm a not good twin. Because one of them is much keener on eating everyone than yes. the other. <laughs> but also, he's still... I mean, they're passionate about knowledge and learning and understanding. They, they love understanding the world. I guess, like, when we first meet them, it's, it feels like it's being done purely to be a contrast to what you'd expect. Sure. But then it plays really well into Wolf's backstory. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with it. They're super Ravenclaw. They're the Ravenclawiest yeah, of Ravenclaws. Yes. How about the umlaut snakes? Ooh, the umlaut snakes. They are rock and roll snakes that yep. live in the desert and yep. play guitar yep. with their tongues. Yep. <laughs> they're all badasses. Yep. And I think, I think they're... they might all be ladies. I think, yeah, or at least... The, the main one definitely is. The, yeah, the majority of the ones that we interact with yeah. um, are cool badass snake ladies. Um... I want to say Gryffindor. Sure. Just, yeah. Big punk energy. Tell me about the scooter skunks. The scooter skunks are a group of skunks that ride around on scooters. That's literally all there is to it. They're Slytherin. <laughs> Tell me about the humming bombers. The humming bombers are giant hummingbirds that have nectar? Yeah, they have nectar bombs. Other yeah. characters talk about and use nectar bombs at different points as yeah. well. Apparently nectar in this world is just highly explosive. Yeah. So they like to blow things up. Yeah, they do it for fun. One of them is called Boom Boom, and Boom Boom gets captured. Yeah. But then freed. Gryffindor. (laughs) (laughs) Blow stuff up and watch the pretty colors. (laughs) Tell me about the fitness raccoons. The fitness raccoons are a group of raccoons that wear lycra, and they just like to work out all the time. They're very silly. I like them. They're fun. They live in a junkyard and they name themselves after things they find on rubbish. So, like, one of them is called Tongue Depressor. Yeah. They're they're Hufflepuff. They are. How about Puck, the leader of the theatre musician otters? Ah! Yeah, there's a group of travelling barred otters, basically, who go around and perform plays and etc. They love Kipo's group because they make good stories to tell. They're fun. Um, Ravenclaw. Okay. But, like, the creative, artsy type. Sure. You know? Sure. I feel like a lot of theater kids are Ravenclaw. Sure. <laughs> Tell me about the Chevra sisters. The Chevra sisters are a trio of goats who can use cheese to predict the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they chant as they need the cheese. and They, they and say they, a bunch of cheese words. In, fl- in flashbacks, they help Leo understand Kipo's situation as a part jaguar. And in the present, they help Kipo understand Kipo's situation as a jaguar. <laughs> and then in one episode, they make a stupid bullshit prophecy, but luckily that's a very small thing and it's whatever. I'm not sure. They're either Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. I'm, I think I'm going to go Ravenclaw, but yeah. they're very loosey-goosey. Yeah. Tell me about Hogue. <laughs> is he like the mayor? He's the mayor of Kipo's village, yes. Uh, yeah, of Kipo's borough. Yeah. He's a Slytherin. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you about him. Well, he's like the mayor. He doesn't ma- trust the, mo- the mutes yes. kind of guy. When he ends up meeting the main human villain, he completely trusts her, but luckily is swayed by his daughter. Eventually, uh, yes. Yes. But he is an annoying force. Yes. For a long time. <laughs> and then they dance together. It turns out he's really good at dancing. Which is like, explains why his daughter is so good at dancing. <laughs> right, so I say Slytherin for him. His daughter... Dogue. 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 His daughter, we don't meet her until fairly late in the show. She adores dancing. She's very ditzy. Yeah. Um, but she is swayed thanks to the power of another character we'll get to. And helps Kipo and just wants to dance with the mutes. And then like gets her dad to dance as well. And they're both really good at dancing. She's a Hufflepuff. Yeah, she is. How about Troy? Troy is 
Benson's love interest. Yeah, a boy from Kipo's Borough. Yeah, he's cool. <laughs> Does he have a lot of personality? I don't know. We don't get a lot from him. Like, we don't see him very often. But he is just kind of like a cool dude. Who, Chill and friendly. Yeah, very much like Benson. Yeah, I'm going to say Hufflepuff. Sure. How about Roberto? Roberto, Troy's dad, who we get a little bit more from, I think. He, yeah. He was one of the people who was uh, mind-controlled by Scarlamane. But yeah. they free him and he helps out. Yeah, he wants to help them and everything. But, and also he acts as... as wingman. As Benson's wingman. Which is great. Which is surreal. The th- interesting thing about him is, like, the rest of the humans go back to the burrow yes. with, like, Hogue and follow oh, th- his lead. They're not back to the burrow. They go on um, Amelia's Yeah, boat. yeah, they, they Regardless, they follow Hogue and go do whatever he yeah. suggests. But Roberto is, like, the only one who stays. Yes. And is, like... No, I've I've had enough experience. I know that mm. that's not the correct answer. I'm gonna stay with Kipo and Leo. And, and I this think group. that's make him making the brave choice. So I'm gonna say Gryffindor. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Yeah. How about Asher and Dahlia? These are Kipo's two female friends. Uh, one female, one non-binary. Oh, cool. Asher is non-binary. I didn't know that. Yeah, honestly, they don't get they don't get I saw referenced. No, they're they're very, they're pretty they're they're fairly minor characters. Yeah, they're the twins. Yeah, it's the two of them and Troy that they rescue from the burrow. Yeah, yeah. After it gets attacked. Um, I forget which one's which. One of them is good at lumber, at, <laughs> like, because they, like, prove themselves to the lumbercats. I lumber think cats. that's Dahlia. One, yeah, one of them is good with an axe, and the other one is good at pancakes? No, Troy's good at pancakes. I can't entirely remember. They're pretty minor, but... Yeah, they're not... You don't get a whole lot from either of them, but I am gonna say Hufflepuff. Sure. Tell me about Dr. Amelia. Dr. Amelia, the main human villain of the show... She shows up late in season two. Turns out Leo and Song are originally from the same borough as her, where they're very science-oriented. She hates mutes with a passion and just wants to, like, turn them all back into mindless animals so the humans can be on top again. It's a very thinly-veiled, like, allegory for racism. Mm. And uh, she's just a shitty, shitty person. She's a scientist, but she isn't doing it for knowledge's sake. She's doing it because she wants to win and be on top. She's a Slytherin. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, like, a Ravenclaw leading there, but yeah, yeah, she is just doing this for her own benefit, really. Yeah. She fucking killed her brother because he was getting buddy-buddy right. yeah. with some mutes. Amelia's awful. Yeah. And, like, we learn it again in a flashback that she was raised that way by her father, but she's fully embraced yeah, her, it and like, taken it on. her, brother was chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's yeah. clearly a choice. How about Zane? Oh, Zane! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> idiot yeah i mean they're both idiots yeah um, but he's a fun idiot yeah amelia has two henchmen one of which is zane who gets taken captive by the lumbercats yeah by the whole like group by yeah, by, yeah. by Humufa, that, that group in general he ends up sort of like becoming friends with one of the um fitness raccoons the fitness raccoons because they both just want to be fit because they just want to work out yeah. and he's just a big dummy and so um, like who's wh- just doing what his boss told him to yeah when kipo's putting together the prom to like be friends with everyone he ends up deciding yeah he's gonna go with that because amelia wasn't like gonna help him or free him yeah, at all yeah these guys are actually nice to me even when i was a prisoner so he has sort of like a change of heart but like just because like he hadn't experienced anything else he hadn't he didn't know any better so like now that he's experienced so these people are chill then he's like oh cool then i'll be chill yeah um i think he's a hufflepuff sure (laughs) 
Tell me about Greta. Greta is Dr. Amelia's other henchwoman. She's also very, very stupid. It's kind of bizarre that these are the two henchmen from their original borough. I think Amelia <laughs> likes them because they'll just do what she tells them. Yeah, she's very much hired muscle. She'll do whatever Amelia tells her to. I'm going to put her in Gryffindor, though, because yeah. she's not doing it. She doesn't realize sake. that she's she's just like loyal to her boss. And finally, tell me about Hyunsu. Hyunsu! <laughs> is a K-pop narwhal. He only speaks Korean. Which is great. <laughs> he has a beautiful singing voice. He is what sways Dog. Amelia's captured him. And so like he's singing from like his containment unit and she's like, ah, oh, this beautiful song. And she's like, how could such a beautiful voice ever be evil? I'll free you. And Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um, what house is he? Gosh. <laughs> Which house do you think is the most charming? Oh, you think? I don't know. What do you think? Okay, well, Ravenclaw's got that creative sort of vibe. Sure. Um, but I feel like Gryffindor is got showmanship. Yeah. More so. So I'm torn. Take your time. No. I'm gonna say Gryffindor. Okay. And that's Keepo in the Age of Wonderbees sorted. Yay! Ah. Right. It's my turn to sort it out. Yeah, it is. Decentralize the government. Not every job, visiting job, needs to be either a shop, a teacher, or part of the Ministry of Magic. So there's so many departments in the Ministry of Magic that should just be their own independent thing. The police should not be directly run out of the Ministry. It's rife for corruption. As shown. The court system should <laughs> not be run directly out of the Ministry. So many, it so many problems. It so many problems. Just Where are the wizard prime? Eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna, if I, That's a fun side story. Yeah, hold on. I'm gonna go write some fan fiction. That's a real fun side story. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think the main reason why it's centralized in the books is partly for convenience sake for plot to explain stuff. Mm -hmm. And like but it lore-wise, because they don't have a lot of space and they've got to be secret, so they put it all together. But that's terrible. Don't yeah. just find some more underground spaces and have these places yeah. be separate. It would even make sense if they share a building. Decentralize the government. That's also true for real life. Yes, also that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sorted. If you agree or disagree with any of our sorting or you want to hear our opinions on one of the many, many characters that we have left out, tweet at us at SortedPod. You can also find us both individually. I'm at CodenameJD. And I'm at Pichu, P-T-C-H-E-W. Thank you to Matt Majakamo of the Wamping Willows for this our theme song, the House of Awesome theme song. Thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us. You can find other cool shows on the network, such as... Cult Classics, Cult which... Classics. We so... just did a guest episode. We just did a guest episode. Go and check out The Kissing Cup of Love, where we made a bad horse movie... Featuring Simon Cowell, the horse wizard. And a gay centaur, and... Tandem horse racing. What more could you ask for? <laughs> it's a good time. Also, cult classics in general is a good time. Go check that show out. Other shows include Ghoul Tank, Green Mountain Mysteries, Them's the Facts. You know the drill. Go listen to all the cool shows. And while you're on Twitter, you should tweet at us your favorite subculture. Ooh, I like that. And we'll sort your favorite subculture. Yeah. Can I get an example? Well... Mods and rockers. Okay. Emos. Yeah. Preps. Mmm. Tweet your favorite subculture at us and we'll sort it. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Start a new house and it's called awesome. Start a new house. It's called awesome. Start a new house and it's called awesome.
Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. Hey, I'm Lachlan. And I'm a Jay. We're just two dudes who love ghosts, goblins, ghouls, and monsters so much that we've decided to create our own. Well, how about you give me an example? How do you feel about an electric boy who can only move on subway tracks? Or a sparkly light-up manatee who lives in the deep ocean? Or maybe a hairy office snack thief who uses his extra-long arms to steal lunches? You know what? That sounds pretty good to me. Well, you can hear about all these things and more on The Ghoul Tank. Find us every other Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you can download podcasts. Join us in our journey to create the next big cryptid.